0: This is another episode of Clean Tech Talk in which Clean Technica interviews clean tech leaders from around the world. Today we're talking with Ross Gerber, co-founder, president, and CEO of Gerber Kawasaki Wealth and Investment Management. We're continuing our conversation with Ross Gerber on Clean Tech Talk. Listen to other episodes on cleantechnica.com and Clean Tech Talk.
1: When you look at solar and you look at battery storage and then you look at sustainable transportation through all the vehicles they're creating, this is a full solution for a typical family to get off the grid and be completely green with their transportation and energy use in the home. And And that's the future. And, and, and in California, they're mandating it. So it's not like you have a choice. You will have solar on your house and you will have these batteries and you will have electric cars. That is what will be in 10 years in this state, just in California. Yeah. So as you extrapolate that out globally where Europe gas is twice as much and Asia you can't breathe in the cities, you know, it's it's so bad the pollution. Like Everybody's going to have to make this their future, and that's why we're investors in Tesla.
0: And then we, we have Arc. Uh, we're talking with Arc on a couple of other podcasts. I'm not sure which will come out first, this or this or one of theirs. Uh, but you know, they Arc Invest, I should say. Um, they you know they focus heavily on the innovation leadership of Tesla. That's that's their their thing. Um, you said you got in at 2012? Yeah,
1: 2012 was when we
0: started. So, so obviously you identified that, of course, they were fighting climate change, but they had a really strong innovation. They had a great we, car. Yeah, they had a great car. Can you speak a little bit more about, I think you went to the factory the day after us. I did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we did this thorough factory tour and uh, and interviewed with Jerome Guion, who's number number three, number two, president of automotive at Tesla. He's, uh, and. I was writing, you know, on the plane, I was writing a few articles based on this. And one of them was the first one was, you know, the feeling inside of Tesla is totally different from totally the image you get from reading the news of Tesla. Like you walk inside and people are calm, happy, having fun, doing great stuff. And then you I was writing the article and I saw your tweet saying sort of the same thing. I was like, gosh, that's weird. And then I found out later that you, you, that you had been at the factory the day after. So I think you got hit with the same feeling. But, but just speaking on the innovation front, uh, what, what's your, why do you feel like Tesla is worth investing in so much? Why do you think they're, they're, they're so good of a, of a company? You
1: know, the short, sc- short sellers are going to say that they, they set up the whole factory and made everybody work those two days because actually there's no Oh, today. yeah,
0: for sure. Just yeah. For a us. lot of actors, and, tons and of we, actors. We, we had
1: a special tour just for those two days, but then they sent everybody home again. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I went up there because I was starting to get nervous because, you know, let's be real. You, you can't help but read this stuff because that's my job. And, and then, you know, you see what's happening outside, like in Santa Monica, where like everybody has a Tesla now and they're like everywhere, um, at lunch yesterday, I eight cars, four of them were Tesla in the lot. I was like, wow, you know, this is like
0: crazy. Um, there's quite a, there's a bit in Florida, but when we went out there, there you look up and you see six or seven or eight everywhere. There you, go, you know McDonald's drive-through. There's a Tesla Model Three going through. Yeah. It's crazy up there. Oh,
1: and the adaption has been much quicker than I actually thought myself. And um, but but you know it, it really starts around what somebody was saying this morning on CNBC about building a platform. They were talking about Amazon. That when Amazon went public twenty two years ago. I didn't get Amazon. I was like, oh, it's a bookstore. Why are they selling books? Like, it's great, it's online, but like nobody's gonna read these books. Like, you know, and I thought it was a dumb (laughs) idea, you
0: know? I I can relate.
1: (laughs) And So I missed Amazon and then when Google went public, I was like, I don't get this search. You know, what do they even do? You know, and and it was seventy-five dollars a share, and I passed. I got into Google later. I got into Amazon later, and I made a lot of money in these stocks over the years. And I still own them in their core holdings in our portfolio. Um, But boy, I kicked myself because I literally remember these thoughts in my mind, and they were some of the dumbest thoughts that I had as an investor. And and. You know, the other side of the coin was one of the best investments I ever made when I was a kid was AOL because at the time my mom convinced me in the value of brands. You know, like when you're an investor, a brand is worth so much. And AOL AOL was the first company on the internet and I wanted to be in on it, but AOL sucked when it came out. I mean, you couldn't log on, it would kick you off, you know, just to get an email would take 10 minutes. And I was like, they're never going to make it. And then they And then they uh, let it for no fee so everybody could just use it as much as they wanted. And the service basically broke. And I was like, this is the worst company. And I sold the stock. And my mom called me and said, what are you doing? You know, you should buy the stock back because this is going to be the access to the internet company. The inner, you know, I was like, you know what, mom, you're right. I'm going to buy the stock back just on the brand. Maybe they'll get this technology to work. And they did. And it was a wonderful investment until it was sold. And, 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 you know, that was the beginning of my investment life. So when you look at Teslas, you don't get that many of these, you know, where, yes, I get that J.P. Morgan and them don't get it. They never get it, okay? But he's building a global platform for Not only battery but car production on all the major continents, and I think Europe is next. And so, we're going to have a giga China, a giga Europe, and and maybe a couple gigas here in the United States. And this battery production is really the difference between success or failure in this entire enterprise. So, my whole premise in the investment on Tesla is that they're building a platform like Amazon to deliver sustainable transportation to all the major continents of the world in scale and mass over the next 10 years, just like Amazon. So when we look back in 10 years, they'll have, you know, millions of cars being produced a year and Tesla will be the major brand that people buy for electric vehicles. Um, And there'll be many others too, but but Tesla will be the Mercedes-Benz or whatever. So when you think about like, the challenge the other car makers face is because they can't scale production because they don't have the batteries. They don't have the technology in the batteries. And we haven't even talked about the autonomous part of this yet. So when you take out autonomous and you're talking sustainability, this platform to me is worth hundreds of billions of dollars.
0: Well, I, I like when smart people say exactly the th- things I, I think because you know I, I of course I look to diverse. I like when I, people
1: call me smart. <laughs> I like I like an idiot <laughs> on Twitter
0: all day. You know. It's oh yeah, Twitter is nasty. Yeah. I, you know, I try to I try to you know find you know companies. You know, I've covered clean tech for a decade. Companies are leading, innovating, and you just keep coming back to Tesla because they're so far ahead on batteries, on bringing down battery costs, on manufacturing, which is. Uh, It's a big deal, you know. People sort of wrote wrote it off, I think. And uh, we were interviewing Nancy Fund of DBL Partners, an early venture capital investor in Tesla, Solar City, SpaceX, and that was a big thing for them—the the the job creation, the manufacturing side of the company. Um, But anyway, anyways, the you know they're just so far ahead on batteries, and it's so hard to see. You know, I've I've had conversations with Volkswagen executives who didn't seem to know who i was when they were talking to me and they were like yeah the board doesn't really know what they're doing on batteries whether to do it internally or or externally i'm like that's a big freaking statement to tell someone who's in the media like you shouldn't be probably saying something like that but it was like made me realize this was i think two years ago that they were still that far behind still didn't have a a freaking plan for how to get yeah some- but
1: this is a boardroom that sat and conspired yeah. to create software <laughs> just to get around emission standards in the united states and then use that among multiple companies too yeah so like when you only care about money like yeah. you see greed i try to teach people about real high level greed because most people never touch or are around that much money you know what i'm saying like you sort of go like how you know how greedy can it be somebody possibly beat you know and and when you see the kind of profits that these companies have made over the years and the billions and billions of dollars all they're concerned about is how do they keep it going
0: yeah you know how and do there's you keep so, so many executives at the last stage of their career or whatever where they don't want to shake things up too much they don't want to take a big risk uh elon of course is all about taking risk because that's it's his uh yeah you think passion <laughs> <laughs> uh i loved the story that came out at he's one probably point. the
1: biggest risk taking ceo in america for sure yeah.
0: And it pays, and that's what you know. That's what is big for ARC Invest. They they value that kind of uh, risk taking. Uh, and anyway, but the, on the battery front, um, you know, there's so many of these companies that are just sort of on the line or decided to rely on other suppliers. And the problem is, you've got how many major companies relying on how many battery companies for you how just many models? Want,
1: really. You got LG Chem. I mean, who yeah. else really is?
0: Yeah. Well, you've got Cattle from China's trying to get there, and LG Chem is in my backyard. They have their biggest European. The biggest EV battery factory in Europe is in my backyard here. I know people who work at this factory. Right. And they have production hell as well. I'm
1: sure. (laughs) You know, this is Because we call them up and we go, we're starting an EV company and I need 100,000 batteries a year. Can you do it? And they're like, ha-ha, you know, like no chance, get in line. Like they can't deal with all the car companies. They
0: they have fires that destroy production lines. They have… Uh, bottlenecks here and there. It's hard. And the thing is, if you've got 70 electric models relying on a few comp- battery companies, they're being conservative. They're like, okay, we're going to scale up our production capacity to meet demand for, you know, they, they average it out more or less. Right. And then you have this problem of individual models that are compelling. So you have the Hyundai Kona EV or the Kia Niro EV or something that compelling. Electric well, I think
1: vehicles. it's a conspiracy to make the ugliest cars possible. I think that most EV companies literally conspire to make the most garbage can looking cars possible so that the ICE vehicles that they sell will look relatively attractive. BMW is a perfect example. The i8 is gorgeous. It's a gorgeous car. I was like, dude, make this electric and you got a Tesla competitor, you know, like it's a beautiful car. And then you look at i3 and I would rather like get beaten up in a bar than drive an i3. You know what I mean? And It's like the same people made this car. They made this one all electric, and they and they made this one five miles electric. Like I don't get it.
0: Yeah, no. It's uh, we have an art old article. I did, did an article a while back. Twenty three ways to slow the electric revolution, or something. And and then I yeah. it was extremely popular, so we made it fifty. And there really, I found fifty ways automakers could potentially be you know slowing the revolution. Uh, whether with PR, with models, with design, with battery, you know, there's just so many ways that they potentially, I'm not going to claim it, but I you know, potentially are just trying to slow the transition. And, and I mean, it comes down to things that Sergio Marchioni said that others have said, I mean, it's a, to transition quickly would just destroy some companies. So they don't when want it you to went be to
1: the quick. factory. Okay. So when you're at the factory and you look at what Tesla did, okay. You, you can't just like take your car factory that puts engines together and all that, and then all of a sudden make it a electric car a production line. It just doesn't work that way because the actual production of electric vehicle is way easier than an ICE vehicle. You know, it's, it, it's it's actually quite simple. It's more like building an iPhone, where it's about the technology you're putting in, and that's why the the robots didn't work as well as they had hoped was because it was actually a much more technical car like building a a cell phone more than just a mass produced boom, boom, boom. And, and like when you're in there, you realize, and after driving the car for almost a year now, you realize like the car is a platform itself. Like there's really little in this car to depreciate at all.
0: And the production lines, I don't know how much they, we, we, I know we got a super custom tour. We were going through production lines with top engineers and uh, it's amazing how much they innovate to you know, Deepak, Deepak has said on a couple of conference calls, they're extremely capital efficient. They're extremely focused on capital efficiency. And when you go through a production line with the top engineer, they show you how they improve this little thing, this little thing. They have these machines yeah. that track every single part. There's no other company that does this, but yeah. they have machines tracking every single part. As soon as they have a problem, they can identify where that a problem originated with that part, you know, what happened, fix that, tweak that, that robot or whatever to make the process more efficient. They're saving seconds or... or or, you know, adding up to minutes on production lines and, and it's this Silicon Valley like obsessive innovation, not just reproducing. It's an engineering
1: what's thing too. You know, right. like I'm not an engineer, but my stepfather is. So we think very differently. And like engineer thinking like Elon and Jerome those guys are like obsessed with the details, you know, like obsessed with every part exactly. of this production line being efficient. And, and 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 I think that's where a lot of the analysts are just wrong. They haven't been to the factory, okay? Yeah. This is the crazy thing. Like the JP Morgan guy lowers guidance, but he doesn't know what we know because he hasn't taken the time to go to the factory. And I'm sure they're happy to take the guy, right? And because yeah. it's open to the public. But what I saw there and what they told me is that, the efficiency gains are really starting to take hold now, and the cost of production is dropping very, very fast. And and, yeah, and, and, and what you say but, it, I
0: can see that happening. And what you say about the engineers, so there's I think one of the problems with Tesla's is that Tesla is that the face is only Elon. They don't have enough of us. Right. They don't that show the, the faces of others enough. And when you go there and you talk to this engineer, this engineer, this engineer, you see that he's got a team of freaking awesome engineers at every level who are focused like him on every little. You know, every little detail. He's obviously ingrained in the engineers this uh, this motto of if there's a sixty percent chance of success, try it. If it doesn't work, re- you know, revert. So they have this engineering approach, that is like hyper innovate. You know, like, right. try, it's
1: like try, and fail. It's fine. Try, try and again. fail. Fine. Yeah. yeah. And and
0: yeah. this is ingrained in top people. You know, people who design the the production lines, who work on them every day. So you have this hyper innovation, this hyper focus on engineering. And I think, I, I think, like you say, it's lost on the other, on people who haven't toured the factory. Well, and this is what
1: I've learned, too. See, the problem when engineers run a company is they're not necessarily great with the media or marketing, and they don't care about it as much as they should. And so I've become the spokesperson for Tesla, you know, for some oh, yeah, reason.
0: People claim all the time that we're Tesla's PR team. They, they ask.
1: Totally. Us, they say that about me. Right. Oh, we must be getting paid by Tesla. I'm like, oh, actually, God, I wish. own Tesla. Okay. So I'm a spokesperson for my own company. Okay. But like, you know, I don't like being in the position of like having to defend Elon. Elon's a big boy. He gets himself in these messes, but Tesla doesn't do a great job telling the story. And that's one of the things that I've been working with Tesla on is their communications. Cause that's actually my background is I'm a communications person and major and, and, and no, they, they should the be more successful because we're good at
0: it. You know, yeah. Yeah and they should be framing they should be setting up they should be setting up the frame for their story every every day they should have a lot more content in my opinion too to feed to the media where they're not responding to whatever the media found, but they're actually generating. Well,
1: now, it's, yeah, now it's too late. So anything they do like that is look cynically or this or that, you know, the only way Tesla will be successful in the media is by being successful. And, and people want in the media want to see Tesla be successful other than maybe like business insider, but like, you know, in general, I think there's an, there's an over criticism of the media from us or from elon because remember they're doing their jobs too and it isn't their job to be your friend you know it's very easy because they're friendly the reporters to think they're yeah. your friend well, but i, mean, I not, think you know? i think they
0: just yeah i don't think that i think there was a long period of like uh, the media loved tesla loved elon he was getting tremendous positive press for for years yeah. for for doing great stuff when he was a little guy when, he, when they got bigger, there were, I think, uh, very specific, coordinated uh, sort Absolutely. of attacks where people were feeding uh, their, you know, certain media, re- financial reporters they knew or hosts they it's knew. It's more like
1: manipulation. It's just like Trump. Th- these people right. are the same people using the same playbook that they right. used when the election. So it's not that the media themselves are biased. Some of them are, but most aren't. Um, it's that they're just being manipulated by by FUD, and you can see it on Twitter all day long, and, and, and they do try hard. I, I, I do have to give them credit, but they're not that hard to manipulate either, and so it's like, you know, Tesla doesn't play in the dirt like their competitors are playing with them, and, you know... That's their choice. I don't know if I would take that route personally if I was Tesla. I would play as dirty as my as these guys are playing. I but, think
0: there's also, like, they leave know. a lot of gaps. I think there's a lot of opportunities still where they could have stories... Uh, out you know they could have stories prepared to to explain what's happening in, in with autopilot with uh, with the factory with, honestly
1: i'm with trying to meet with the communications team myself and teach them how to do this you know I, i'm really frustrated with
0: thank you for listening to this episode of our clean tech talk interview with ross gerber listen to other episodes and other podcasts with clean tech leaders on cleantechnica.com and clean tech talk